you know. You'll, you'll know it. You can't miss it. We'll pick you up there. Move the camel. Move the camel. The camel. Move the camel. Move the camel. Where? Anywhere. He's on my foot. Oh. You seen any suspicious-looking characters around here? No. Do you live around here? Yeah. This one's bad. Would you describe exactly what the last man who passed the $20 bill to you looked like? 30, tall. About six feet tall? Six five. Dark brown hair. Light colored. Sounds like our man. That's him. We're going to have to take these bills for evidence. Make up a receipt. This one's bad, too. This one's bad, too. I'd like you to notify all the other establishments in the area of this situation. What's the name of your establishment? Red's Corner Bar. Are you Red? Yes, sir. You dye your hair? No. Why do they call you Red? Well, it's short for Red Wood. But my last name's Wood. Ladies and gentlemen, there is nothing whatever to fear. That is an escape-proof cage certified by the New York City Department. A lot of people, when you're on the show, they write me and they call and they say, well, why, does, what, why does Charles Grodin treat you so scabbily? Doesn't he like you? What, what is it? I mean, you have any, you want to address that or speak to that question? I don't know what to do uh, when I'm out here because most of the reasons people come on a talk show, I can't really do that. I can't come out and... and uh, why do people come on a talk show, in your opinion? You're Mr. Talk Show. To plug uh, this book, to plug this movie. Okay, and if I would do that... And if I would do what that, else are you here for? If I, that's what I'm asking. If that's I would fine. do that, your attitude would be disdain. You know, when I tried to talk about my book in the hardcover, you said, uh, 1895, you know, that's a lot of money for a book. I said, uh, you know, maybe if it's Mother Teresa's life, you know. You remember those things, don't you? Yes, I do. You, I didn't know you were that sensitive. You actually remember that. I'm, I'm so sensitive, I really can't answer a question from someone who's not interested in the question. I'm very interested in the question. <laughs> All right, it's okay, I'm used to it. Now, what, what, is the, uh, what does the paperback go this for? This is uh, 995. Well, now we're talking. <laughs> and that, of course, are clips from the sadly late, completely great Charles Grodin. Uh, hello, everybody. Welcome to the Sideshow. This is Jacques. And this is Biff. And as we talked on last week's podcast, the week before, we lost an actor that... Both Biff and I love love very much Charles Grodin. Uh, Biff, where did you jump on the Charles Grodin train? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so the first movie probably was King Kong, the the seventies um, remake of King Kong with uh, with Jessica Lange. So that was the first one. Um, uh, but I think the one where I really paid attention to Charles Grodin was um, uh, Heaven Can Wait, which came out probably. Uh, you know around that time and only because uh we had hbo and it was for whatever reason on all the time on hbo so i kind of watched that movie more than i probably should have but you know obviously you know charles Grodin is fantastic so that's kind of where i that's my jump on point i think those two movies so of course i lived for king kong as a kid we had i had an uncle who let's see the right way i can say this he 
He didn't come from the industry himself of cricket noses, but he did have a lot of friends who had things that fall off trucks a lot. And somehow he had a contact where we got to go to this drive-in movie theater for free all the time. And and we were really poor, but that was always a big treat to get to go to the drive-in theater. And so I'm seven when King Kong comes out. And for the first half of the summer, that was the second movie. And for the other half of the summer, that was like <laughs> the first movie, you know, that would play it. Like there you go. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, growing up again, our next door neighbor, uh, Richie Rich, which in retrospect, you know, he was a middle class. His dad was a middle class working guy, right? Above ground pool, but he was the rich kid in our neighborhood. You know, and it's he, all it's all relative, right? It's all relative. He had HBO. Uh, he he also he and I we used to sleep. I used to sleep over there a lot. He also had his parents hand me down waterbed, so, and they had HBO. So as you're saying, yeah. the same thing. It's like yep. I'm nine when Heaven Can Wait comes out, but I must have seen it. Uh, and I love football, yeah. you know. I saw, right, right, right. But for me, Charles Grodin. Um, uh, it, it for me, it was the Dave Letterman stuff. But first, right, I, I mean this when I say this. I've talked about it with you. I've talked about it with everybody I know. I've talked about it in the podcast. The movie Ishtar is a fucking fantastic movie. It has great actors who give great portrayals. The music is ungodly amazingly great absolutely great you you know and charles grodin kills it in that movie and i i dare anybody who's seen the movie to tell me it sucks and again i'm not getting into the whole ishtar thing except to say it was a movie that had a lot of problems on the production side of it. A first time filmmaker went over budget insisted on shooting and location you got Dustin Hoffman, you know, coming off. I forget what he was coming off of, you know, and Tootsie maybe and, and Warren Beatty coming off like reds, like within the last two years, both of those men had won Academy Awards. So you're getting them at their top of their right. earning, you know, and, and you, you, you pile all these things on. It's a dark comedy that could never make the money it was spent. Even if it was a blockbuster, it had to make ET level money. It had to make, you know, closing counters money, you know, movies that came out around that time. And it is, it's a cerebral movie. Charles Grodin in that movie, you know, plays like, you know, he's a high, high up uh, a CIA guy and it's a middle Eastern, you know, land dispute, ancient map type thing. But his portrayal, I don't know how many times I say, um, move the camel, move the camel, <laughs> move the ca- and 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 you know and and here's Warren and Dustin uh, not not is it yeah Dustin not thinking yeah. he's talking in code and he's like you know because he had him go to the market and buy a blind cow he he kept sending him on these fools errands and he kept delivering them you know and anyways you know and then there's there's this great line at the end of the movie where the president is calling him saying and, and it's a one sided phone call it's like. Sir, we did not shoot at two Americans in the desert. We did not. Who told you that? Secretary of State? Well, how would he know? Well, let me look into it. I'm going to look into it right away. He is so good at playing that swarmy guy. So for me, it's Ishtar. It's, It's three things. It's Ishtar, 
which I just went over. Yeah. It's a Dave Letterman thing, which I love to talk about in a second. And also, it's Midnight Run. Oh, yeah. Midnight Run is fantastic. That was the one. I think that is his my favorite, um, you know, uh, role that he did. And, you know, it's one of those things where it, it, it is such a well-written movie. And there's um, it is one of those things where um, it's one of those rare movies where people aren't outrageously like... Um, um, you know, so many of those movies have these people with, uh, you know, kind of um, bigger than life, you know, personalities and just just kind of, you know, totally, you know, these, I mean, every, you know, everybody in that movie, well, not everybody, but by, you know, both De Niro and, um, and Grodin were very kind of, you know, laid back and, you know, kind of, you know, kind of a low tone kind of, you know, well, he performances such yeah. a cerebral second fiddle. Yeah. You yep. know what I mean? And absolutely the, the anti-buddy buddy comedy right. movie. Yep. <laughs> um, yep. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it, it's it, it's it's in that it's in that category. Did I buy it when it came out on VHS? Of course I did. Did I get it when it came out on DVD? Well, who wouldn't? Do I now own it digitally? Sure, of course. But if I'm getting ready to go to bed, the Bruins game's over, I'm done watching the highlights, and I'm just kind of flicking and on FX. Yep. Here's Midnight Run. It's like, oh god damn it! Well, now I have to watch it from whenever I jumped on. Yeah, it, commercials yeah. and all. For some reason, you know, it's like when you hear a song on the radio that you own on ten different platforms, but you're hearing it on the radio and it's a little more special. But Midnight Run is that movie where if I accidentally see it on at three in the morning as I'm cleaning right. up, getting ready to go to bed, I'm stuck. Yeah, the absolutely. Yeah, no, fantastic, fantastic movie. And then once again, uh, very slick writing and, you know, Grodin's performance. It's just, I think it's, he, he, there's that kind of mold of uh, actors, right? There's people like him. Uh, is it Larry Miller? Is that his name? Um, uh, Hector Elizondo, those kind of guys that, just, oh, yeah, and obviously uh, um, uh, Tucci's another one, right? I mean, those, those guys that can play these parts without, you know, they don't go overboard and yet they just kind of take over scenes. It, it, it is. Um, and getting back to, um, you know, uh, uh, King Kong, it's, it, it's funny. Cause I was just talking to management and I'm like, yeah, he played cause she didn't grow up with those movies as much. I'm like, he played the role that Jack Black had in the remake. Right, she right, 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 that, right. So she knows right. that character. And I'm like, yeah, Jack Black did a really good, you know, version of him like but he was parroting him you know <laughs> right right holding uh and then do, do, do you remember how he meets his demise in king kong it's been a while since, no i don't it's he been a while. stepped on okay yeah he gets stepped on king it's been a while since i've seen it but it, yeah it's that big carnival like it's like a fair you know what i mean right 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 when they had him on display and that's the, right the unbreakable cage the state of new york is yeah. certified and like it, it, it shackles you know, tears it apart like toothpicks and uh yeah, no, it's great because I but then going back, like you said, I mean the movies that he's done and the level of actors that he's been side by side with, he's always yep. one of those guys where with Beethoven he played a lead. And granted, it's a farcical family thing. You know, with right, Clifford, right. it was a lead. But truly all Oof, through the Clifford was brutal. Brutal. <laughs> you know, um, you know, and, and, and we will do a sideshow of our favorite actors, worst movies L like like Steve sure. Martin has done 
some some just does. But uh, Beethoven, Beethoven two. I don't remember if there was a Beethoven three, but but Clifford. But when when you think about who he was side by side with in yep. those, uh, the other movie, and you're a few years older than me, so this is another one of those. I'm twelve. It it was the second feature. It was it was the primetime feature at the drive-in. You know, one summer for the first half of the summer, and the second half of the summer, it was the movie that they played at dusk to to get the ball rolling. Uh, the Great Muppet Caper. Right, right, right. Absolutely. Yeah, and so, and that's a kind of that's one of the rare. I think that's a very different role that he played compared to everything else i think you know he had a very unique role well, well, and, and, and the guys like him you look so you're looking at that okay so that's i'm looking at i'm looking at you know a list here so that's 81 and that that is that's coming off heaven can wait it, it's coming off right. some great stuff i mean he did rosemary's baby did credit 22 did heartbreak kid w- killed it on broadway for many years like right um same time next year won a won an, a, an emmy for writing you know being one of the writers on the paul simon 1978 show but he gets the call from his agent saying okay the Muppets are huge at the time. You're going to play the bad guy. Okay. Yeah, sure, sure. And you're going to fall in love with Miss Piggy and be yep. conflicted. And you're going to have to convey you still have this obligation to the bad guy crew you're at. But you're going to be torn because of your infatuation and your true romance with Miss Piggy. And he said, in. <laughs> Why not, right? <laughs> of all the people, why not? Um, so I do. I I, yeah. I I loved him and I loved him so much in that. And then again, like I've already mentioned, like Steve Martin, it was a movie that when he passed away, and I saw so many people on Twitter, it's like, oh, he was great in this, great in this. It's like I did love Steve Martin, and I'm like, oh right, the lonely guy for some reason never really pops up on my favorite Steve Martin movies. Yeah. But they did that together. And it, it was Patton Oswalt's brother, Matt Oswalt, who posted a link. Oh, and he's like, okay. I could watch. Th- there's a couple scenes where, you know, they just meet on a park bench and they just right. talk. They're friends. And their dialogue is a big nothing burger. But but it's Steve Martin and Charles Grodin having these innocuous very funny but cerebrally funny conversations right yeah absolutely yeah and I, that, that is so it, it just kind of goes back to the original point which is that he's one of those guys that uh can be doing really not much right he's very kind of laid back and not you know uh overly exaggerated at any point and yet he can kind of still you know make a scene right that's 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 kind of his skill now so because of our age difference i'm Early in high school, you're at Caltech at the time. Were you? Where did you fall into place with like Letterman? And yeah, so talk stuff? well, yeah, so I was actually a Letterman guy, you know, early on, only because um, I actually loved Letterman when he had the daytime show. I don't know if you remember that, but you might be the one guy who said that because okay. I think it lasted. I don't know how it didn't last long. Uh, I don't, well, I think, yeah, I don't know. I don't remember how long it lasted, but I do know that, um, it, you know, just had the, just the, it was basically unlike any other show where I, the one, one bit that I remember is, uh, he had, a I want to say Mariel Hemingway, um, on the show to, to clean fish. 
And so the audience members would come on with fish and he had like rules like no catfish. And, you know, I just remember this. Okay. That's yeah. There's nothing, you know, so, uh, and in fact, I actually, uh, thanks to, uh, uh, a friend of mine, I actually got to uh, uh, see Letterman uh, live when uh, oh. they came to L.A. Um, you know, I didn't get a seat, but I got one of those. Essentially, you could stand around and watch, you know, from the side kind of a thing. So and it wasn't it was the, the Eddie Van Halen appearance. So it was obviously a, you know an amazing experience but yeah so yeah i've been a fan for so obviously that uh and even on carson right carson and letterman but especially on letterman you know that's where he was the best and again another future sideshow is people who just killed it on the talk shows like carson had a dozen people over the years and 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 letterman had had many people that he had these but his relationship so i'm i'm in i'm in college second year third year of of uh, two years after high school I, I did the junior thing and you know played in and i played in the iron league <laughs> you know i literally played in the iron league and um and then i went to college and so my second or third year in we had this friend who i don't remember if she lived with us or was just there all the time this, this girl named katarina Pismopolis, i believe is how you say her name you've mm-hmm. never seen a person who loves somebody more than she loved you know, my, my guitarist, my friend, Dan. And one night, and, and back then, you know, we didn't have TV guide. It's like, you didn't know who was coming on Letterman until Letterman came on, you know? Right. Right. Yep. And, and, and it's like, Oh, and Charles and our guest, Charles Grodin. And I say to her, it's like, Oh, like cat, this is going to be awesome. They're really good friends, but they are going to be so awful to each other. Yeah. They're going to, it is going to be ugly and messy. And I don't know if it's, Greek culture. I don't know if it was isolated to her, but she, and it was very funny because we were great friends. She really had to warm up to me because she didn't get sarcasm. Mm, interesting. Okay. She just, she didn't. And she would get mad sometimes of how mean I was to Dan and my friend John and Ron and stuff like that, you know, because I would just walk in and, you know, hey, shitholes, what are you up to? And it's like, how can you talk to your friends like that? You know, so I remember her, and I'm not kidding, almost being driven to tears because it hurt her so deeply that (laughs) these two men, can be just so mean savage to each other yeah. just absolutely brutal and 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 it right out of the gate right out of the gate like however letterman introduced him and i remember it it was yesterday groden walks takes the two steps out and just stands there and there's that awkward moment of like really is this how we're going to do it and he's like turns to leave and love like no no come on and they they it went downhill from there it was awkward silence it was just you know uh, he was he was so good yep. on that and like i can't i wish i was better at names there's a curator who has he, he VHS, I think, every Letterman episode ever. And he's archived it. And every time somebody passes away, within a couple days, he has the best of this guy on. Mm. And, and the Letterman people and, and NBC and stuff like that have have purposely looked the other way because mm. they realize what a service 
right, this right, guy yep. is providing to them because, Absolutely, because yeah. nobody archived it. You know what I mean? It's like it, it's it's the last generation people have started to say, oh, we might want to repurpose this. We might, you know, right. want to hold on to this thing. But it's 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 one of those things. And again, he wasn't Letterman. I mean. The, the, the 1230 slot was a lot different than the 1130. I mean, you look at Carson's numbers. It's like, you know, from 1130 to 12, he, he had twice as many viewers, three times as many viewers as he did from 12 to, yep. you know, 1230, you know, type thing. Any of those people, you know, do. So those those early years when it's 1230, you know, on a school night. So right. it's drunk college kids, it's high college kids, it's you know, but but Charles Grodin on that uh, again, it's it's for me, it's Ishtar, it's it's David Letterman, and it's Midnight Run. Yeah, yeah, I would you know I would say this. You know, there's also um, she did a Goldie Hawn movie. He did a Goldie Hawn movie, right? The um, was it? I think was Goldie Hawn. Seems like old times with the Goldie Hawn movie. He yes, and he yeah. had also done. No, I'm thinking that was he did the play. Same time next year. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was on Broadway. That I, yeah, okay. I don't know if he did the the movie version. Of the movie was um was Alan Alda. I want to say. Yeah. So I think you're right. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then I guess later in and and again, I I knew this. I remembered that I knew it once I reread over the last week that he had a talk show on uh, MSNBC. Oh, for, for a few years in the late 90s, early 2000s. I do not remember that. Yeah. Okay. And I remember for a short time, there was a 60 Minutes 2. And I forget what CBS like affiliate that that, that ran on, but he, he was also one of the correspondents on on that. He did the, um, huh. oh, what, 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 uh, I almost said Mickey Rooney. Uh, you ever wonder who was that guy? Who am I thinking of? At the end of sixty minutes, always had the oh, oh, oh um, okay, I came, um, and, and that was one of those. Yeah. You ever wonder why? And now, yeah, uh, you know, I've seen. Yeah, I know who you're talking about, and I can't remember his name. Jim Gaffigan now kind of fills that role on sixty minutes. He's done a few of those. You know, okay, over the... oh, I did not know that yeah, um, because who watches sixty minutes now? Yeah, old people, you know. But I, but I'll see his posting his clip on Twitter. You know, uh, when he does something like that. Andy Rooney? Andy Rooney, thank you. I was saying Mickey Rooney. I'm like, no, that's not right. So yeah, you, I, the Rooney sounded right, so, and, yeah. And another show that I watched, I, I'm surprised I didn't watch more of this, because I used to love Louis C.K. And, you know, so there was a good 10-year window where Charles Grodin retired. And he kind of came out of retirement. He did the political correspondent thing. He did the talk show. He did the political talk show thing. Okay. And then he pretty much went away for 10 years, came out of retirement in like 2015 and had a recurring role on Louis C.K. show for okay. a few yeah. years that I used to see him on. But yeah, he, um, you know, the last few years he kind of, you know, faded away and, you know, whatever reason, maybe it was, I don't know. Um, yeah, that, that was very noticeable that, you know, so like I, I mentioned my, you know, my the pain that I experienced with Clifford and you look at his, you know, IMDB credits and you see Clifford and then another, you know, thing that kind of came in right at the same time and then nothing for 12 years. Right. <laughs> it's like Clifford destroyed his career. You it, know. Or it might've just destroyed him. <laughs> him. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he's like, what the fuck am I doing? You what know? am I doing? Uh, because it did not destroy Martin short. 
I, yeah, I, I, I don't want. I don't remember what he did after that, though. So you know, oh, he, he, someday sadly we'll do a Martin Short one. But no, I, you know, we don't have to wait for somebody to die to do one. We can definitely. He's sure definitely worthy of doing. See, now, now I'm kind of curious. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. There was. Oh yeah, I guess there was stuff. But but yeah, he but he did. It was a couple years after that that he went into the political talk space and the you know on okay the the precursor. I don't. It wasn't. MSNBC first, but he had a show on some like CSNBC, and then went to MSNBC. Okay, then went to like sixty minutes. But yeah, it might have been Clifford. Might have been just the check, please moment. Yeah, I, I mean, money. like I got enough money. I don't need this shit. And if these are the roles I'm getting at sixty, then what what are we doing? It really is that. Really was a movie where not not just you know Groden, but you know, maybe and maybe things were kind of thinning out for Martin Short at that point. But you know, what was Martin Short thinking, right? I mean, so yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, the Clifford. The, it's a far cry from the Three Amigos. Let's just say that it's a very far cry from the Three Amigos. Um, so yeah, so so that again, that's my ranking. Ishtar Dave Letterman, Midnight Run. So when I'm hearing from you, your your so you do yours. What are your top three? Ha- having can I, I well certainly um yeah I think as far as movies go, uh, Midnight Run like no question. Um uh, and certainly the Letterman and just I think just talk show in general. Even it, Letterman was a very special relationship. But I think even when he was on Carson, I think he was a really good guest. And there was uh and. I think there's a certain level of re- respect that you probably have to give Carson, right? I mean, at by the time Grodin was who he became, you know, good enough, big enough to be a, a, you know, a guest, you know, Carson was a monster. So, um, so there's, a, I think, a certain level of respect that he had to give, but still, there was that that edginess, if you want to call it that, that just didn't exist with other guests. Well, it is. And, it's funny because at that time. I mean, he's doing huge things again, you know, with yeah. Dustin Hoffman, with Warren Beatty, you know, yep. uh, 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 with Paul Simon and stuff. Right. So when he's on with Carson, it is. It's yep. true. He has to kiss the ring. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yep. But, yep. The, you know, and, and all that stuff is not scripted, but, you know, they yep. know what's going to happen, you know, right. and his yep. relationship, you know, Carson's relationship with this guy, that guy was explosive, yep. was funny, it was insulting. But, he was, you know, it's it's one and one a with uh, Super Dave Osborne and and Charles yeah. Grodin. They both had that same coming on the show, the condescension you could you know, and the tension you could cut with a knife. Um, but each and every, each and every time, and the the episodes because I watched so many of them over the last week, the times when Charles Grodin would come on with nothing to plug, right. Just to come on. And it started yep. early. Like, I don't remember this one episode, but early on, early on, in 82, he came on Letterman. And it started from his very first appearance on Letterman. It started in the makeup room where, where Grodin was being belligerent to the makeup artist and belligerent to all the way. And he was coming on to promote another A-list, a fee, uh, a, an actress, A-list actress. Him and her were trying to launched something called like the friendliness campaign that the world would be a better <laughs> place if you just took a moment out to be friendly to a stranger. But 
that's why he was on to promote that. But from the makeup chair out there, he was in complete a hole. You know, everybody. Um, it, it is. It's. It, it was a fun rabbit hole to have fall fallen down. Um, the last. Yeah, that, that, you know that we should probably do that. You know the letter Letterman guest, and then obviously we need to bring you know that that other guy in for you know to talk about something like that, right? Without I a mean, doubt, yes, no, without a doubt, and, and that won't be a hard sell to get him to come. Yeah, because um, uh, there's some other like you know Drew Barrymore is another interesting you know guest on Letterman. Um, there was this weird, you know, that kind of that weird, creepy relationship that they had. Um, and there's also uh, like Marv Albert. It's another one that's, I don't know if you remember oh, Marv Albert being on the show. You know, it's right. funny. In the, in the culture that we have now of, of move on and time's up, yeah. you would think like the lecherous, because, you know, Letterman has his skeletons as far as like affairs and this stuff and, and whatever. You know, his head writer, you know, he had a great relationship forever, yeah. which was a woman. And Drew Barrymore was 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 a child you know yep. but she was the one that initiated like, yeah yeah no that's what i mean it's that, like, that like you yeah. know flashing him and then years yep. later um yeah you know i, I don't want to get off grown but yeah we will definitely yep. do a letterman thing like greatest guests uh but but with with Groden, uh, you know unlike a lot of the people that you know joe and i've done side shows with and you and i it, it's it's always when we did like the Fred Willard or, or whomever, they still were active and, and working, yep. you know, the fact that he wasn't, it doesn't make it as heartbreaking. You know, it's, it's like you sat when this person that has this body of work, you really like died, but it's not, you know, I think it, it hurts a little less than, Oh, he was, he was on the Goldberg still working. Uh, she was just on the crews working or he had a tour coming like Rickles, you know, had tour dates coming up and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely, you know, he was 86 when he died, I guess. And it, it kind of took me a bit to kind of think through things. 86 sounds kind of older than I expected him to be. But then again, it's roughly, you know, what would have been my mom's age. And I guess, yeah, I guess it all makes sense that, you know, he was mom's age when I was watching him as a kid. But still, for obviously, it just, uh, I didn't really realize he was on Rosemary's Baby until much later. Like, I knew... Charles Grodin as this other person before I found out later that, oh, hey, he was in Rosemary's Baby. Because when I saw Rosemary's Baby when I was much younger, I had no idea who Charles Grodin was. He was, oh, he was that dude on, you know, whatever, right? And so. it's funny, yeah, because uh, you look in that, that's 68. So that's 53 years yeah. ago. So yeah. he's late 20s, you know, when that's coming right. out. Yeah, um, yeah. And you see, they can, okay, well, college, you know, he putzed around in theater and stuff like that before he got his big break you know yeah. and that but but from that from that point on you know he was so gainfully employed for a good hit after hit after hit in the in the in the 70s and all yep. through the 80s like it, yep. you're right biff as i'm looking at this from 68 to 94 big movie big movie big movie you know yeah. huge co-star huge co-star huge co-star clifford <laughs> well you know I mean, can we name an, an actor, actress, whatever, that doesn't have that one? It's like, what were they, you know, there's all the majors have that. What were they thinking movies, right? So. And and, and, and it was it was a steady decline because he did Beethoven yeah. into Clifford. So he goes, he goes from Midnight Run. But I, I, I actually thought Beethoven was okay, right? Because, you know, it is what it is, right? And. The stuff, it's really a dog centric movie, really. Look, so cheaper by the dozen. Yeah, it's an okay film. Father the yeah. Bride, 
it's an okay film. It's the fourth sequels in those you know franchises yeah. where you're like, Steve, what 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 are you doing, sweetheart? You know? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so luckily there wasn't a follow-up to Clifford, but uh, uh but that you know that that's that's my thoughts on, on the great Charles Grodin. He is somebody who does take up a little more real estate in my head than than I've thought, because I've thought about those Letterman things a lot. I think about Ishtar more than anybody on this planet next to my friend. Yeah, one of these days I'm going to watch that movie, and then you know what? And it's it's on, it's on, it's it's on one of the platforms. It was a while ago. You know how they cycle out, but it right, 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 right. But again, it's honestly if if they shoot that in the Mojave Desert for half the money. <laughs> I'm serious, but yeah. why, you didn't have to go to the Middle East to actually shoot right. that. If you took the same movie and used, you know, B-list guys, high C-list B-list guys, right at the top of the food chain, you know, I mean, you still have Charles Grodin and you know, and a couple of the other right. like, you know, character actors that you see pop up at that time, right, right. If the production cost is what it should have been for that movie, you know, it, it would have been fine. Honestly, it would if it was a director who wasn't two months behind and going over budget <laughs> but it's one of those things where every time somebody i say ishtar they're like oh that movie's awful did you see it well no but i heard it's awful it's like okay well it wasn't a box office success but but again you know my son's favorite movie it was not a bomb at the time so it's not the best apples to apples comparison but scott pilgrim didn't kill it when it came out but over the last 10 years it's gotten more popular and more popular more popular and and that's one of the things it's like yeah just because a movie doesn't make a ton of money doesn't mean it's a bad movie i mean i've seen really good movies that haven't made money that for the marketing or whatever it didn't click on and then you know we've seen crappy movies like Father of Bride Four, that you know that which you know they had to make a Father of Bride Five because the last one did so well. Um, but give it a try. I mean, honestly, and look up the movie. Um, I'm blanking on the guy who did all the big music in like the late seventies, eighties. Paul Williams. Paul Williams did the music for that. Huh. And I've heard him on a couple things, notably like the Gilbert Gottfried podcast, where he was so proud of yep. the music that he did for Ishtar because he had to work so bad. He had to work so hard to make bad songs like, <laughs> but, but still catchy. You know what yep. I mean? He had a, he had to write songs that they could earnestly feel good about, you yep. know, and you know, and well, that, and the whole premise of the movie is they're two bad songwriters who think the only reason they're not Simon and Garfunkel is they don't have a manager. So they end up getting them a manager. They get themselves a manager who's as bad a manager as they are songwriters. And the <laughs> only place he can get them a steady gig is playing at the hotel where Americans stay in the fictitious country of Ishtar. There you go. And, and it's. It, it it it's farcical. It's funny, but the songs, they're awful. Some they are they're like really catchy, fun to sing, awful songs. So yeah, I, that, that 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 that's your yeah, that's your weekend. Um, and any final thoughts on the great Charles Grodin? Uh, no, I I you know I think we covered. I mean. Once again, a, a great loss, but it's also kind of unfortunate that, uh, and I don't know what his health was like in the last few years. I haven't really looked that part of it up, but it is kind of too bad that we, 
I, I think that despite Clifford and everything else, right? I mean, there were so many movies, I think, that if we look at what came out, say, between, you know, 94 and 2010, I'll bet you we could find a lot of movies where it said, you know, if we put Charles Grodin in there, yes, it would have been we, awesome, well, right? I mean, that's the thing. So it, that's our loss. It, it is. So uh, this has been our Charles Grodin sideshow. Biff, thank you for, for – um, yep for indulging me on this you know half hour long self-indulgent like <laughs> theater uh, of rambling Ramb yes exactly <laughs> uh so so collectively we we are telling you to go watch midnight run uh gi give give uh give another watch to the great muppet caper maybe check out king kong but maybe stay away from clifford <sighs> thanks Biff. There we go. And Daphne Coleman said certain things that never allowed to go out on the air. But it's it's just a joke, and and, and well, I can't. Are you serious I, I, I about this? I, I don't think it's a joke. And, You're really yeah, actually I, I, serious. I, yeah, I don't think it's a joke, and I think uh, when the, when the audience uh, sees uh, the tape of the previous shows, they will see that uh, it's not that clearly a joke, and I don't think it is a joke. In fact, I brought with me tonight uh, uh, my attorney, who's uh, who's going to sit here with me, and uh, so uh, Neil Framens is my attorney, and I, I'd like to bring him Neil. Neil?